Welcome to Accessible Art History, the podcast, the best place for art history lovers or anyone that is curious. My name is Annalisa, and I'm here to share an incredible work with you. Just a quick reminder before we get started. All sources and images will be posted on the Accessible Art History blog. You can find the link in the episode description as well as on our Instagram at accessible.art.history. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get started. I can't believe that this episode is the final one of season six. It certainly flew by. For this last episode, I'm turning back to our friend, Jacques-Louis David. He's often considered to be the iconic artist of the neoclassical period, so I felt that he deserved a second episode. The work I'm going to be discussing is called The Coronation of Napoleon and was painted between 1805 and 1807. Shows the event of the same name that took place on December 2nd, 1804. Painting represents a huge shift in politics in Western Europe as an excellent example of neoclassical art. So, to learn more, then keep on listening. The Coronation of Napoleon is an absolutely massive work. It's larger than life, measuring at 33 feet wide by 20 feet tall. Despite its name, the painting actually shows Napoleon preparing to crown his wife Josephine as Empress. The scene takes place in the Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris. The church is filled with members of the court watching the spectacle take place. Behind Napoleon sits Pope Pius VIII. He is anointing the ceremony, an allusion to Charlemagne, the first Holy Roman Emperor. This was a momentous event, and the grandeur is certainly captured. It is important to note that David was actually present at Napoleon's coronation, so he was able to create many of the details from memory. The coronation of Napoleon is one of the most important moments from not only the 19th century, but arguably in all of European history as well. This was the peak of his power and had been taken a relatively short time for him to achieve it. I'll be discussing this later in the episode. Originally, David sketched the moment when Napoleon crowned himself. However, it was changed to show the more chivalrous moment of crowning his wife. This was a nod to the idea of honor that was so deeply ingrained in the idea of French knighthood. However, there were some details that show Napoleon wanted to break with tradition. For example, as I just mentioned, Napoleon wanted to crown himself. Typically, French monarchs were crowned by a high-ranking member of the French clergy. But Napoleon wanted to show the distinct separation of church and state in his new empire. To make the point even clearer, he actually faced the crowd instead of the altar. Napoleon wanted to show his people that he didn't need the backing of the church to be a successful ruler. In addition, Napoleon was crowned in Paris. Traditionally, French monarchs had their coronations held in Rheim. But, moving sites, he was able to show that this was the bidding of a new type of regime, not just a continuation of the past. If you look at the painting, it can be overwhelming because there are just so many people in the scene. Thankfully, my good friend Wikimedia Commons has a great chart set up. I've added it to the blog post, so make sure to check it out and follow along if possible. Number one is, of course, the main man himself, Napoleon. He's hard to miss since he's at the center of the work. Kneeling submissively before him, ready to receive her crown, is Josephine, his wife. She's marked with number two. Watching the ceremony is figure number three. Her name is Maria Letizia Remolino, and she was the mother of Napoleon. She actually wasn't present at the ceremony, but David wanted to add her anyway. She's put in a place of honor, even more so than the Pope. According to records, Napoleon was thrilled that David included his mother in his painting. Figures 4 through 7 are Napoleon's numerous siblings and family members. Next, figures 8 through 12 are government officials that helped Napoleon reach the rank of emperor. Figure number 13 is Pope Pius VIII. His role was to anoint the ceremony, lending an air of legitimacy. It also showed that there was a be a balance between church and state going forward. Well, at least for a little while. Figure number 14 is actually a bit of an Easter egg. It's a self-portrait of David. As I mentioned before, he actually did attend the event. He just wanted to make sure that the viewer knew this, so he made sure to add himself to the crowd. 
Next, I'm going to discuss Napoleon's life and some more fun facts about David and neoclassicism. But first, let's take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Now that we're back, let's dive into the life of Napoleon Bonaparte. He was born on August 15, 1769, on the island of Corsica. The same year of his birth, this island was ceded to the French. Napoleon embarked on a military career and rose through the ranks during the French Revolution, but he wanted more. In 1799, Napoleon was leading a military expedition in Egypt. However, he heard that the government had been weakened by a series of defeats in the War of the Second Coalition. So Napoleon decided that this was his chance. He abandoned his post and went home. When he arrived, he gathered supporters, and on November 9, 1799, he led a coup d'etat. It was successful, and he was installed as a council. But that power wasn't enough. Napoleon used several assassination plots as justification for a new referendum that would allow him to take power as an emperor. He bases off of imperial Roman rule. He figured that if his rule was grounded in law, it would be much harder for the previous ruling family, the Bourbons, to reinstall themselves as monarchs. Through a series of military campaigns, Napoleon and his forces conquered Egypt, Belgium, Holland, much of Italy, Austria, much of Germany, Poland, and Spain. In order to help manage his empire, he installed family members as rulers, but all this power wouldn't last. After a failed attempt to conquer Russia, Napoleon was ousted from power in April 1814. He was exiled to the island of Elba, but that wasn't the last the world would see of him. On February 26, 1815, less than a year after his exile, Napoleon escaped from Elba and made for France with 1,000 supporters. By March 20th, he made it back to Paris and was greeted by adoring, cheering crowds. The king, Louis XVIII, he fled, and Napoleon was reinstalled as the French ruler. The Austrians, British, Prussians, and Russians weren't down with this, so they formed an alliance. Things culminated at the Battle of Waterloo on June 18, 1815. British forces absolutely crushed France's, and Napoleon was forced to abdicate for a second time. He was exiled once again, but this time to the British-controlled island of St. Helena. He died there on May 5, 1821, at the age of 51, most likely from stomach cancer. Despite requesting to be buried in Paris among the people he loved, his body was buried on the island of St. Helena. It wasn't until 1840 that he was interred in a crypt at Les Invalades in Paris. Napoleon was a larger-than-life figure that changed the landscape of European history forever. For Napoleon, there was no better artist to document his reign than Jacques-Louis David. I already discussed his life and death in the past episode on the Oath of the Harashi, so I thought I would discuss how he went about creating this work. Napoleon verbally commissioned this work in September 1804, three months before his coronation. Because David was present at the event, he was able to take careful notes. For things that he wasn't quite sure about, David took the time to reach out to other attendees. As inspiration, David drew from a work that was easily accessible to him at the Louvre. It was called The Coronation of Marie de Medici and was painted by Peter Paul Rubens in the 1620s. 
but he made sure to add his traditional neoclassical style to the composition. David started the work in 1805 and completed it in 1807. The next year, it was exhibited at the Salon, where it received both awards and praise. The work remained in David's possession until 1819. Records don't tell us exactly why he didn't give it to Napoleon. That year, he gave it to the French government, who installed it in the Palace of Versailles. In 1889, it was moved to the Louvre, where it hangs to this day. This work is a testament to the neoclassical style. David utilized clear, defined lines to complete the narrative. All the figures' eyelines lead directly to Napoleon holding the crown. He's the center of the story, and so it's important that the viewer's eye is drawn that way. There's a strong horizontal line that goes above the figure's heads, and a strong vertical line that goes with the architecture of the cathedral. Each element of this work is balanced and proportional, so the viewer can take in the scene without any distractions. There's no chaos, unlike the Marie de Medici piece. This works well for history painting because it captures the most accurate portrayal possible. Finally, the use of color also lends to balance. Because David stuck to a limited color palette, there is little distraction for the viewer. The coronation of Napoleon gives viewers a glimpse into one of the most important political moments of European history. By using his neoclassical style, David was able to capture this moment as well as link it to the classical past. Well, that wraps up season six of Accessible Art History, the podcast. I'll be taking a two-week break to prep for season seven. New episodes will resume on Monday, February 22nd, 2021. Season seven will cover romanticism and realism, so you don't want to miss out. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Accessible Art History, the podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at accessible.art.history for updates and keep an eye out for our next episode. They drop every Monday on your favorite podcast platform.